0: Jesus is the king of kings. He is the light. Last week, we looked at from John chapter 1 that he is the word. This week, we're going to look at the fact that he is the light. And in Luke chapter number 1, we're going to read the account of the announcement of John the Baptist's birth. And it'll be on the screen for you to follow if you don't have your Bibles. And we're going to read through this, and then we're going to make some application about some of the last phrases through here. It says this in Luke chapter number one, verses five through twenty five. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. I want you to notice that. The the spirit and the power of Elijah. We'll, We'll refer to that later. To turn the hearts of the fathers of the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And continues on in verse 18. And Zachariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words. Which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, were wondering at the delay in, in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service had ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. The challenge through this series is to genuinely celebrate Christmas. For this morning, our principle is, and every Sunday we have a principle that we seek to apply to our life. Our principle is, Jesus gives me the light of life. Jesus gives me the light of life. We just read about John the Baptist and the proclamation of his birth and the the proclamation of what he was going to be doing is proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah and he is coming. And this is a truly fantastic story about the anticipation of great things that God has for your life and for my life because he is the light. Let me give you a little bit of background. The prophet Malachi, 400 years before Christ was born. 400 years before Christ was born, the very last book of the Old Testament ends with the book of Malachi. Malachi. And Malachi was the last prophet, and he prophesied of judgment, he prophesied of Jesus, and he also prophesied of John the Baptist was coming, and he called him Elijah was coming. And something that's quite remarkable in this is Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. That's a prophecy of there was going to be Elijah or a Elijah coming back, which is John the Baptist, was going to come back before the great day. In Luke chapter number one, we just read of an account of an angel coming to a man. Now, when I heard that my wife was going to be expecting I mean, I was terrifying and scary, but it wasn't quite as terrifying and scary as being visited by the angel Gabriel. Let me put you in the in the mindset here, in the picture here. Through this period of time, you had the priestly Levites, and there was a number of. Different groups. In fact, there was 24 groups, and they would serve in two week increments throughout the year. So if you were part of a certain group of Levi priests, therefore, for two weeks of the year, that was your time. And what they would do is that all these various jobs that would need to be completed through the that time, and they would have a lottery, or they would take lots. And for Zachariah, he got. A literally a once in a lifetime opportunity where his name was chosen on one of the particular times to burn incense, which was a once lo- in a lifetime opportunity. You could only do it once because there were so many priests that he was chosen to burn the incense in the holy place of the temple. So in the in the temple, you had the outer courtyard where everyone would mingle. You had the, the frontal area where you had the sacrifices that were performed. Then you had inside of the building, which if you can imagine this room here is the first part of the room is the the holy place. And then behind a great curtain was the holy of holies, which they would only enter once a year. But every day they would go into the holy place and they would burn incense, which was a picture of our, their prayers going up to God. This was an incredible opportunity for Zachariah. I'm sure when his name was chosen, he was thrilled. He went back and told his wife, Finally, the day is coming. I've been waiting all these years. He calls himself an old man. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And today's the day. And he rehearses in his mind what he has to do. I have to go in these steps here. And I have to put the in. You know, you don't want to mess it up. You don't, you don't want to be that guy that messes up the whole thing. So he goes through and he's, In the middle. And I can imagine him, because he's actually practiced and practiced and practiced, but he's never done this before. He's never been in this room before. He's thought about it. He's dreamt about it. And now he's there, and he doesn't want to mess it up. And all of a sudden, an angel appears right there. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have (laughs) like, I would have squealed a little bit, and I'm sure he did too. And I was like, I'm going to die. I did something wrong, and God's going to kill me. This is what happens right before you die. And then he says, don't be afraid. I have some great news. The prayer that you and your wife have been praying for your entire marriage, that you would have a child and you would have a son, your prayer is going to be answered. But it's not just any child. It is going to be like Elijah. And I have no doubt that Zachariah knew the prophecies. And if he didn't, after this time, he became an expert on them, reading through them and then it was as the child conceived and began to grow, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit was with the child from the very, uh, very, very beginning, and even when Mary, with Jesus, uh, when she was expecting Jesus, visited, the baby says he leaped in her womb, which I don't know how the Holy Spirit did that, and the fact that she knew that it was the Holy Spirit leaping, it must have been an incredible kick. All this takes place, the child is born, this is John the Baptist is born, and the way that it would... Traditionally, work is you had family names. So therefore, my son, whose name is Caden, would have some sort of family name. So therefore, maybe we should have called him Lawrence after my dad or Burl after my grandfather. (laughs) Or or the other one, my other great grandfather is Royal, which I don't know why we didn't get that name. That was a great name. Should call you Burl. They go to name John And when they name him, remember, Zechariah, because of his unbelief, isn't able to speak through that time. And he's not able to speak. And they finally said, well, we're going to call the child because the father can't say the name. We're going to call the child Zechariah. And they're they're protesting. And then he writes out the name. His name is John. And at that very moment, he begins to be able to speak. And you think, I've been holding in there's no sign language at this time it's, the writing is not able to be clear at that time as far as writing out and let everyone know he now has something to say he's been holding on for nine months and it says in luke chapter number one we're going to read again in luke one in verse 67 this is the proclamation that Zechariah makes And he makes his proclamation as the first things that come out of his mouth when he's able to speak after nine months of being mute. It says in verse number 67, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets from old, when we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him, All our days, and now he's talking to John, his son, and you. Child will be called the prophet of the most high. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give. And here's what he gives to give knowledge of salvation to his people in their forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise notice that sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of of peace every person here today can experience that peace that we can enjoy through jesus christ in our daily life this isn't something we get to enjoy just at the end of our life when we're in heaven one day this is something that we can begin to enjoy the peace of god in the here and now as i was reading through this passage some things jumped out at me that i thought was quite interesting Because in Malachi, chapter number 4, there's a prophecy about John the Baptist. In verse number 5, it prophesies that Elijah will come. And then when the angel Gabriel comes, he says he's going to speak like Elijah. And it's actually referred to a a number of times through the, the New Testament as John the Baptist is Elijah. So it's not like a reincarnation at all. He's just another proclaimer of the Word of God. He's the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And that same passage The prophet Malachi, 400 years before Jesus was born, gives another prophecy. It says in verse number two, For you who fear my name, the son of righteousness. In Zechariah's proclamation, he calls Jesus the sunrise. Here we see him described as the son of righteousness. Shall rise with healing in its wings. I'm not going to read that last line just quite yet when you get excited and you're happy, how do you describe your excitement? Maybe you say, I am thrilled or I am excited. I'm overjoyed. Or maybe you're very, very conservative and you say, I am delighted or I am content. But inside you're jumping up and down. When you get really, really excited, how do you respond? Well, the prophet Malachi, 400 years before Jesus was born, Is writing about judgment. He's writing about this forerunner who is John. But he's also writing about the coming Messiah, which is Jesus Christ. And he says the response that he gives is you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. So he's saying here, you're going to be like happy cows. Malachi 4.2 says, But for you who fear my name, the sun of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You should go out leaping like calves from the stalls. Now, I know that's really silly showing a cow jumping up and down and licking the screen. But I want you to remember this. Because there is a correct response that was given 2,400 years ago, when we hear that Jesus is coming, you're supposed to be like happy cows. So I want to add something to your repertoire of excitement. Now you can say I'm leaping like a cow. I know that's silly, but the reason why I say that is because there is actually a correct response. This is something that totally changes our life and totally changes the way that we look at ourselves and our present and our future. Last week, we began looking at John chapter one. If you have your Bibles, go to John chapter number one. And in John chapter one, we begin by looking at the fact that we can genuinely celebrate Christmas because Jesus is the word. And it says in John 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Today, we're going to transition over, and we're going to look at the following verses. And John here calls Jesus the Word. Now he's calling Jesus the Light. And in verse number 4, it continues on. This morning in this passage, we're going to see three different areas of light. We're going to see the shining light of life. We're going to see the true light of love and the triumphant light of how we can now live. And our goal is to genuinely celebrate Christmas and to think of it. And I know it's silly to be like happy cows. We now have the truth. Now we're no longer held back in the old ways of living. Now we have the truth. Now we can move forward in our life. Let's begin by looking at the shining light of life. Verse number four says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. We live in a truly dark world. We live in a world where things that are wrong are seen as right and things that are right are seen as wrong. We live in a very twisted world where our morals and values become something that's not based upon the Scripture or based upon truth. It's based upon my feelings. And as long as I feel it is right, it must be right. The problem is, some days I feel this way, and other days I feel that way, and I'm up and down, and maybe you're the same way. So we can't base what truth is based upon my feelings, because they change all the time. But have you ever truly been in darkness? where things have really been dark. It's not like dark when, when it's just like the light's off and it's dull. When you're in uh, the backside of a cave, have you ever been on a tour of a cave, and they go back into the back, and the tour guy goes, now I'm going to shut the lights off. And they shut the lights off, and instantly the darkness, you can feel it around you. And invariably someone gets pinched or something or bumped, and they scream. You can feel that darkness around you when you know that there's absolutely nothing you can see in front of your eyes. And it's it's a very unusual feeling to be in absolute darkness. The Bible describes the way we are in our world today as the fact that we are in darkness But our light and our life is found in the person of Jesus Christ. We have both physical life. In verse number three, it says, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. We absolutely have physical life. We spoke about this last week in more depth. We have physical life. Everything around us is made by God through Jesus Christ. And the beautiful thing we see there is that there's nothing made that he didn't make. I know that's pretty profound because I just read it a moment ago. But you start thinking about everything around here, we begin to discover things. And we go, that's amazing. We've just discovered this incredible truth. And God goes, I know, I made it. I've known that from the very, very beginning. I created it. Everything about us that we discover about our bodies, the fact that we can move our fingers is just absolutely amazing. It's absolutely incredible how things work. We have our physical life, but also he's given us our spiritual life. Verse number four says, the life was the light of men. Book of Ephesians chapter number two talks about the fact that we used to be as Christians, dead in our sin. And it's a picture of our spirituality where we were spiritually dead, but in Christ, we were made alive in Him. That's absolutely a beautiful position to be in because spiritually, there's absolutely nothing we can do for ourselves. We are spiritually dead, but through Christ, we are made alive. That means we have a new sight It's not hidden from us. Now, this is uh, obvious, okay? This is incredibly obvious, and you're probably going to roll your eyes and go, I know that already. But in an absolute dark room, it doesn't take very much light to light it up. In fact, it takes just a tiniest little LED light, and all of a sudden, you can see light. In a bright room or in a dully lit room, a little LED doesn't shine very bright at all. You know, the beautiful thing is the shining light of our life, you may think to yourself, Jesus, He came into my life. He saved me. I used to be spiritually dead, now made of alive, but my light is not that, that bright. But compared to the spiritual darkness in the world around us, your light is shining bright and has tremendous potential to shine bright in the world around us. We live in a very spiritually dark world. But I also believe that you don't have to just be a tiny little LED. You know, one of the little one-watt LEDs. You can be a shining bright mag light or a spotlight in the community around you. You don't have to remain that small little light. The shining light of life that we have through Jesus Christ, we see in verse number four. We continue on. We can shine and genuinely celebrate Christmas and because of the light, because He is the true light. And the second point is the true light of love. Verse number five says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So I studied that passage out, that the darkness has not overcome it. has the understanding of the overcome it is actually the, in the world. The light shines in the world and the world or the dark world has not understood it. It sees it and goes, I don't know what to do with that. I'm going to ignore it. And that's quite literally what that passage means when it means the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not understood the impact of the light. Because when the light comes, it reveals truth. You stop and think about things that you know about eternity. Things that you know because of the Bible. Because when you go through difficult times, why is it that we pray? Why is it that that we turn to God? Why is it that we have hope when others don't have hope? Why is it that we have peace and love and joy? We find that because it begins to reveal truth. There's something powerful about having something real. I like these TV shows where people take their prized possessions in to get assessed by people. There's a number of different things, and sometimes you find out that these antiques that have been sitting around in the house that have been collecting dust that are just interesting that great great grandfather had actually are worth tens of thousands of dollars. And then they go, this thing that used to be a, a dusty thing on the shelf that they used to ignore is now becomes a prized possession that you hold in esteem and no one's able to touch ever again. But other times people bring in these things that they think are prized possessions. And they bring them in and go, this belonged to my great-great-grandfather. And I was told that it was owned by him, you know, the queen herself. And then they go in and go, no, it's a fake. It was made in the 40s. And this prized possession, because it's a counterfeit, doesn't have the value and esteem that it once had. On the other side, when somebody doesn't, know what they have and then you can see the surprise on their face you can see they go oh i had no idea it was worth that much i had no idea it was so rare you know what's beautiful is when we begin to understand the truth of the things of god the more I'm going, I had no idea it was so tremendous. I had no idea the impact that it could have on my life. And maybe you're the same way as you we delve into God's word in our daily Bible readings. We come to church, we come anticipating and expecting when I read my Bible, that God, you have something to reveal this wonderful truth to me today. Because light always reveals what is true. In fact, I'd much rather look in the mirror when it's dark. I'm far better looking. Light always reveals what is true. In John chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, it says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Kids, you probably wouldn't understand this, but this is an old day when TVs used to be really thick and wide in the back. You couldn't put them against the wall because they were like this deep, the, the big ones, and the pictures we thought were really good. The first TV that Tammy and I bought, we bought a big one. We bought a 27-inch flat panel. It wasn't a flat screen. It just had, you know, rather than having the old curved screen, it had a flatter screen, which made a better picture. And it had the speakers on the side. I remember coming back so proud of that TV. I wouldn't even own it today. In fact, I I wouldn't even have it in my house. It would be in the tip. But it's amazing. You have this thing you're proud of. And then we had friends that got HD. And you saw the HD clarity. And you begin to see how clear things could be. Of course, now you go to the shops and they have the ultra 8K TVs. And you go, it looks so real. When we un- begin to understand what is t- real, when we go back to the old things, like my big 27-inch TV, my first TV ever bought I was so proud of, and I thought, this picture is so clear. Tammy, can you see how clear this picture is? And you compare it next to a high-definition TV. You look at it, and you go, I, I, don't, I never want to go back because I now know something is clearer When we understand what is true and truth is revealed to us, we never want to go back to the old ways ever again. We never want to return to the fact that we are who we used to be. I quoted earlier Ephesians chapter number two, which talks about spiritual darkness. In verse number four, it says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, it's all about his love for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And let's skip on to verse number eight. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are, and you can put your own name in here. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, this is specifically talking about you. But everyone has the potential to be here. It says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This next Sunday, it's after Christmas already. On the 27th, we're going to be beginning a new series that we will, we will be working through on the school holidays through the 2021. And we're going to be looking at the book of Ephesians and all of the different in statements. There's in Christ and all the tremendous things that we get to enjoy because of our position in Christ and how we can now live. So That's a little bit of a commercial break for this next Sunday. We see here revealed truth. The source is love. Verse number four says, because of the great love which he loved us. We also see that it's through grace that he has given to us. Grace is God's favor given to the undeserving. This has been revealed to us, not because of anything we've done, not because we happen to live in the right country, not because because God loves us more than somebody else. It's simply because of God's love and his grace that we have this incredible gift of truth. Not only is we have the revealed truth, we also have the received truth. Some smart people said one day, truth by definition is exclusive. And if you start thinking about it, truth is either true or it's not true. Verse number 11 says, for he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Something wonderful about receiving a gift. There's something exciting about the anticipation. As a child growing up, my mother never put Christmas presents under the tree, or or Santa never put Christmas presents under the tree until Christmas morning. And she did that not because she wanted us to believe in a certain fat guy in a red suit. It was because we were too nosy and we would get into things too much. My wife does something wonderful. She actually trusts our children and threatens them. They know that if they touch it, they don't get it. It's wonderful to see all the gifts, and I know it drives my kids crazy because they don't know what's under there, all that disappointment. They look at those, and they walk past it, and I know I can see them looking at them, and I can tell that when they've been touched. Receive truth. There's something wonderful about the anticipation of truth, but truth, if it actually isn't received, doesn't serve its purpose. The similar with a gift. A gift that remains unopened does not fulfill its purpose as a gift. You want the person, when you give them a gift, you don't want them to go, that's nice, thank you very much, I'm going to put you to the side, I will never touch it. You want them to open it. You want them to enjoy it. You want them to say thank you and and, and be and show gratitude. But also, you want them to genuinely enjoy that gift. There's wonderful truth that we have as a gift given to us by God. That God says, I have truth here. It's in my word, the Bible. And I want you to open it. I want you to discover it. I want you to live it. I want you to actually genuinely celebrate it and share it with others around you. But if we leave it closed, what about the amount of missed opportunities? I came across this statement this week about interruptions. God's interruptions are actually invitations to something better. Because received truth is oftentimes we have to be in the right mindset. We have to say, okay, God, now I'm ready to actually listen to you. But I'm discovering as I read through the Bible that God makes some serious interruptions in people's lives in order to reveal truth to them. You think of Zechariah for a moment. Zechariah, he's a man who had been living his entire life as a faithful man of God who had now received permission to go into the holy place and to burn incense. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and God's going to go and interrupt him to give him something far better. Moses, if you know the story of Moses, he was a shepherd for 40 years, tending his father-in-law's sheep, and God comes to him in a burning bush. I- I'm kind of busy right now, God taking care of the sheep. He comes to him, who reveals truth to Moses, interrupts what he's doing to give him something far greater. You think of Mary. Mary is preparing for a wedding. She's excited. All the anticipation. In the Eastern culture, the wedding ceremony and the whole event is months long, and there's a number of different things that take place. She's preparing it all, and then the angel comes and says, you're going to have a baby. I'm kind of busy preparing for a wedding right now. I'm kind of busy right now, but God interrupts us for something far greater and far better in your life. My challenge to you is that as we come into church on Sundays, as you open up God's word, as you come into our life group and we have devotions and we have Bible studies together, that you allow God to interrupt what you're doing that may be really good and may be really important so that he can give you truth so that you can do something far better. I was thinking through anything in my life and I'm yet to, to think of anything in my life where it was actually convenient to learn what the things that God wanted me to learn and the timing that he wanted me to learn them. I'm, I'm, I'm discovering that, that that statement there is incredibly profound because if we're constantly looking and say, God, today may be the day that you reveal something to me. You have full permission, interrupt my schedule. So therefore, on your way home, when you get a flat tire, I'm sorry, if you get a flat tire, call me, I'll help you. If you get a flat tire, maybe you say, God, are you interrupting me for something better? And look for those opportunities. There's different things. I'm standing in this forever long line waiting to pay for this gift. They aren't even going to enjoy it that much. I play with it for five minutes. Maybe you're looking around and looking for opportunities to, for something better. We have a shining light. We have the true light. We also have the triumphant light, the triumphant light of how we now live. We now live a different way because of this light. If you think about somebody stumbling around in the darkness, thinking of darkness versus light. When the lights are on, I have no problem navigating. I have no problem walking around various things. It's easy. On the other side, when it's dark, do you find yourself doing this? Or or things that are not really scary become scary shapes. We have the triumphant light. Verses 12 and 13 says, But all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of, of God. That's quite literally saying God wants you. It's his idea, not your idea. It's not us banging on God's door saying, let us in. He's revealing truth to us, and we are simply responding when he reveals truth. The beauty of that is we get to be, as it says in verse 12, become children of God. We now have a new family we're part of. Now, I hope that you like your family. (laughs) If not, you love them. But I hope that you like your family and I hope that when you get to, when I ask you, so what are you going to do over Christmas? You get to say, I get to go to and spend time with my family rather than I have to go to Perth. Positive of this is that we become the children of God. We have a new family. You stop looking and uh, start looking around. And if you need to awkwardly look around to the people around you, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that you are children of God and we're part of God's family. You can look around. That's why oftentimes people describe each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, is because we're described as a part of God's family. With that family, we have certain rights and privileges that we now enjoy because we're part of that family. But also, we have another phrase. Because we're part of that family, we actually are born again. And Jesus introduces this in John chapter number 3 to a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious leader of the time, and he came to Jesus at night and began to ask Jesus some questions about who you are. He says, I know you're a great teacher. I believe in who you are, but but really, explain this to me. And Jesus says this in verses 2 and 3. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these, these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We are born again. Now, Nicodemus, quite honestly, because he'd never heard that phrase before, scratched his head and goes, how am I supposed to go and physically be born again? And Jesus goes, no, not physically born again. You're going to be spiritually born again. You're going to be giving spiritually new life. The beautiful thing we see there is the way we receive that life is God's revealing truth to us. And if God reveals truth to us, it's probably going to be inconvenient. And it's going to be in a time when we go, I'm busy right now doing something really good. And God says, I want to teach you something. And maybe in your life, even this week, God's going to be teaching you things, and you're going to be saying, God, I'm kind of busy doing things for you. We have a tremendous, a number of things taking place this week. Not only Sunday services, we have Christmas Eve, and then Christmas Day, and we have next Sunday, all these things, different things we're preparing for. And I've caught myself saying, God, I'm kind of busy right now doing your work. But if God's going to reveal truth and life light to us, we need to be ready to be inconvenienced. And as we go out this week, my challenge to you is to genuinely celebrate Christmas. How are you supposed to celebrate Christmas? Like what? Like happy cows. So go out there and leap and jump and and truly celebrate this Christmas because we have a shining light, a true light, and we certainly have a triumphant light.